This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Dr. Robin D'Angelo is probably the most brilliant person on the topic of race right now. Her book, White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism, is basically the blueprint for dissecting white fragility. And my interview with her was so insightful, I learned so much. But more importantly, I learned that white people are uncomfortable talking about race. She was getting some calls, and I got letters afterwards, email afterwards from people who did not like what she had to say. So I decided to give this interview to you guys to listen to. We're going to break it over two parts, so the next part will be the next podcast. But this is part one of my interview with Dr. Robin D'Angelo. The book is White Fragility. The foreword is by Michael Eric Dyson, and I hope you enjoy. I've been wanting to meet this woman since I had her on my show. It must have been three years ago Mm -hmm. uh, when we first ran into... Not that we didn't run into race, but I came across this stat that three fourths of white people have no relationships with black people. And it floored me and it led me to do black, uh, white in America, one white in America, two, which I want her to be a part of. But she doesn't live in this area. Mm-hmm. She couldn't come in. But I, I wanted to have this discussion because I'm like, how is it possible that people could live here and not have relationships with people from outside of their race? And she broke it down so brilliantly. And she has a new book which is on the New York Times bestsellers list. It debuted in the top 10 and it's deserve it. It's called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. Let me welcome to the show the one and only Dr. Robin D'Angelo. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. You mind if I read some? Oh, please do. Because I've been reading this all day. I got pages dog-eared. Um, I don't even know where to start. I was going to start here with identity politics. All right. The United States was founded on the principle that all people are created equal. Yet the nation began with the attempted genocide of indigenous indigenous people and the theft of their land. American wealth was built on a labor of kidnapped and enslaved Africans and their descendants. Women were denied the right to vote until 1920. Black women were denied access to that right until 1964. The term identity politics refers to the focus on the various specific races, excuse me, specific group groups face in their struggle for equality. We have yet to achieve our founding principle, but any gains we have made thus far have come through identity politics. Why is this particular graph so hard for so many Americans to to digest and wrap their brains around? I'm not sure it is. I think it's the way that it's presented. It's presented as if there's a special uh, thing that some group is getting that other groups aren't getting, (laughs) rather than we're identifying the groups that haven't gotten what everybody else has gotten uh, so that we can make sure that they get it. American with the disabilities, you know, ADA, um, Title IX, uh, women's suffrage. We could not have gained any of those things if we didn't name these groups don't have access. But people who have always had access uh, feel entitled to the access. They don't see it as a function of anybody else being excluded. They see it as just a result of their hard work. And so when you name a group that that you believe should begin to get that same access, they, they hear, oh, somebody's getting something they didn't deserve. We, we've spent a great deal of the show today as Wellness Wednesday talking with people about children. Uh, you have a section called cultural racism and you start the body of research about children and race demonstrates that white children develop a sense of white superiority as early as preschool. Their early start shouldn't be surprising as society sends constant messages that to be white is better than to be a person of color. 
And you go on, of course, and give many examples because this book is just overabundant in research. And you even in the back have a great reading list that I recommend every book on there. I I rarely think about kids because we think about kids as kind of being the, the one of the bastions of hope, right? Because right. kids don't see race. Well, they start out not seeing right. I mean, they're born racially innocent, but they don't stay that way for very long. I mean, it's pretty much as soon as you open your eyes. And let's be honest, the fact that I could open my eyes, right, that we could literally predict whether I was going to survive my birth and whether my mother would survive my birth by the fact that we were white. Um, and so pretty quickly, uh, the messages are circulating around and we absorb them. And by three to four pretty much all children who grow up in this country understand it's better to be white. They don't miss the message. They learn to hide the message because it causes anxiety for us, but they just bury it. And then and then you have adults who also have internalized those messages, but also have them buried. And then uh, for us who are white, you know, we take great umbrage at the suggestion that we see ourselves as imp- superior. But but I, I argue that we can't help but see ourselves as a superior. But we don't want to admit to that because of what it would mean for our identities as good moral people. I actually want to hear from people, and I should have done this earlier, like people without melanin um, who listen to this show and listen to this channel uh, because you want to take notes to see how the other side is living and you want to troll us. I would like you to call because I think Robin D'Angelo has some things to say to you. People who are allies, uh, because we have many people in our family who listen to this show who don't have melanin. Uh, You have some great advice here about how they can move differently than they have been and be better allies. Um, And black folk who just need to hear somebody say some of these things that we've all been thinking. And I think you said something really powerful. You know, those of us who are in this fight because we live this every day, you know, it becomes frustrating, increasingly frustrating because you know what you think. You know what you're experiencing, and constantly you're being told that what you think and what you feel is not it does not matter. I watched Angela Rye break down on national television and cry because a white man validated her feelings, and I understood where she was coming from. But at the same time, I'm like, geez, mm-hmm. you know, is this where we are? But yet this is where we are. It's one of the dilemmas of this work. You know, Audre Lorde's beautiful quote, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So how do you challenge a system when you're inside the system? I'm a student. I'm a professional. I'm a woman. And I shouldn't have to worry about walking alone, day or night. I've heard it all. Honey, give me a smile. Harmless catcalls? I never know. I carry Tiger Lady. It's a revolutionary defense tool that's based on one of nature's most efficient defenses, a cat's retractable claws. It weighs less than my phone and is designed to collect DNA. Tiger Lady is discreet and fits in my hand. And when I make a fist, claws come out like a real-life wolverine. It's easy to use, doesn't require training, and is legal in all 50 states. Get your Tiger Lady today by going to TigerLady.com today. Tiger Lady makes the perfect graduation gift to prepare her for the world ahead. Get Tiger Lady today for safety's sake at TigerLady.com. And for a limited time, get a pack of four at 15% off. Use the code GRAD and save an additional 20% off your entire order. Go to TigerLady.com. That's TigerLady.com. Tiger Lady, the ultimate gift of personal safety for any graduate. 
it. So as a white person speaking about racism, I know that I'm actually reinforcing the centrality and the expertise, so-called, of the white voice. And we've been conditioned to defer to the white voice. Uh, and if indeed other white people can hear it more openly from me, then by God, I'm going to use my voice that way. Because to not use this position to break silence on racism for me as a white person is to really be white. And I try to be a little less white. <laughs> and to be white is to be defensive and arrogant and certain in the face of ignorance and segregation. Uh, you know, be a little less, um, be more curious, be less defensive, be, have some humility, white folks. I've never met a white person who didn't have an opinion on racism. But that does not make it informed. You can't grow up in this in this country and not develop an opinion on racism. But nothing gives us the information we would need. Those of us who are white, we don't have to think about this in the way that you do. And we can get through graduate school without ever discussing racism. And we could be seen as qualified to lead other people without any ability to engage with any nuance or criticality in this topic. We need some humility about the, the limits of our opinions. Dr. Robin D'Angelo is her name. White Fragility is the book. I so where do you it. live? You want to come live with me? Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Take Hold you on. to my office every morning. Listen, when but I but here's the thing. She Amazing. said you said in this book, which I thought was powerful because I, I I'm, I'm fighting. Mm -hmm. You said stop fighting black people. Get yourself a white person. If you run into a problem with a white person in your office, get another white person to talk to that white person. That's going to have a bit. So then I'm like, what if you're in an office full of white people that yeah. don't want to talk to other right. white people? Yeah, exactly. How do you find a Robin D'Angelo in your <laughs> office? Well, I mean, it's a strategy. I mean, also, we're not there to protect you and save you, but but it is one of many strategies you can use, um, you know, to ha tap a, a white person who professes to be a progressive ally. Well, then put it into action and go break silence with other white people. Uh, they'll still be defensive. I mean, I can show you my emails, too, but... Certainly not in the same way. And there isn't that deep history of harm that makes it so painful uh, when I get, you know, pushback from white people than when you get pushback. What's the biggest pushback that you get, Robin D'Angelo? Oh, um, well, just suggesting that being white has meaning will set a lot of white people off. Oh, we don't like to be generalized about. So, you know, you're going to get calls where, you know, you're generalizing about white people. Um, you know, I'm a sociologist, so I'm very comfortable generalizing about, about social groups, right? Social life is, is predictable and observable in patterned ways. Mm -hmm. But part of being white is to, be, is to see oneself as a unique individual separate from the culture and the water you're literally swimming in. So we think we can be exempt from all this just because we say we are and want to be, and you proceed as if you could know anything about me, and I'm going to take umbrage to that. So just, you know, white folks, uh, breathe and relax. Yes, I am going to talk to you as if I could indeed know something about you just because you're white. The craziest thing to me, Dr. Robin D'Angelo, is that white, the white race is made up. It's a made up construct. Doesn't really exist. Yet there, it's so politically charged, this notion of whiteness, to the point where, you know, um, yeah, because it's a foundational um, ideology that has put us in this, you know, 
it's there to continue to keep the people in power and power. It doesn't really exist except we bought into it because some people feel better about themselves identifying with it. And throughout history, you your last name's D'Angelo, so I'm assuming you're Italian. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just making an assumption you got to owe at the end. <laughs> uh, that there, there was a point when your group wasn't considered white, and then you graduated. The Irish before you were, weren't considered white graduated. Jewish people, depending on the decade that we're in, sometimes they're white, sometimes they're not, mm -hmm. right? Uh, now Latinos can check a box where they can be not black, right? Yeah. And so at each group that comes in, there's a, a graduation of whiteness, and it's a graduation, something that folk with melanin, as much as I have or as Cousin Syl, will never graduate to. Yeah, you know, I used to be really careful not to reinforce uh, what, what a lot of people call the black-white binary, but after 20 years of talking to white people day in and day out and my own kind of self-work and reflection, I'm really clear there is something profoundly anti-black in this culture. Oh. And that white is on one end and black, they are bookends and there are gradations in between. And that doesn't mean that groups of people in between that aren't uh, perceived and assigned whiteness but aren't, aren't black doesn't mean they don't experience racism. But the degree will depend on how close you are to whiteness versus blackness. And even amongst black people, there's colorism, right? Um, yeah, the, the, in, the, in the white mind, I believe that black people are the ultimate racial other. And nothing seems to turn our cranks of resentment, <laughs> like feeling that you got something over on us that you didn't inherently deserve. And the message is that you're inherently undeserving. I mean, it doesn't take much for white people to erupt uh, in in what uh, Carol Anderson in her beautiful um, National Book Award winning book White Rage talks about every moment of black advancement has been met with white rage uh, and we can see the present moment I would say is a result a current example of that okay we're going to stop it right there because I need you to tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of this smoke that Robin D'Angelo is breaking down I'm Karen Hunter. Let me know what you think. You can follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter and hashtag podcast. Ask me any question. I'll, I'll pick a couple of questions and answer on Sunday. Till next time. Thanks for joining.